I'm Alison Hornery and joining me today is Timothy Pilgrim, the Australian Federal Government's Privacy Commissioner. Timothy was appointed as Privacy Commissioner in 2010 after holding a number of senior management positions in a range of Australian government agencies, including the Small Business Program within the Australian Taxation Office and the Child Support Agency. Timothy has also played an important role in the implementation of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation, or APEC, Privacy Framework, which aims to promote a consistent approach to information privacy protection across APEC member economies. Timothy has also been closely involved in developing a framework for privacy regulators around the world to cooperate on cross-border enforcement matters. Today we're talking with Timothy at the launch of Privacy Awareness Week for 2014 across the Asia-Pacific region. Timothy, welcome and good of you to join us. Hello, it's good to be with you. So we hear some commentators proclaiming that privacy is dead and many observations in particular that new generations have a very different perspective on privacy. From your point of view, is privacy dead? I think you'd have to assume from what we're saying that the answer to that question is going to be no. I think the community's interest in what is happening to their personal information is growing. Many people say that privacy is dead because we've seen the vast uptake of many online services such as social media sites where we've seen, for example, on Facebook over 1.2 billion people becoming members of Facebook and putting on quite a lot of personal information. Yet at the same time, what we're seeing through our office, and I know my colleagues around the Asia-Pacific area and more internationally are seeing, is that people's interest in being able to exercise the rights they may have to control what happens to their personal information is growing at the same time as well. So I think, you know, while we have been hearing that privacy is dead on and off over for 40 years, we're seeing <laughs> that the community is taking action to find new ways to protect their personal information. So that's a, a, good, uh, a good point to talk about Privacy Awareness Week, which uh, is the context in which we're chatting today. And I understand this is a, a shared initiative across countries in the Pacific region. Can you tell us a little bit about the week, how it came about and who's involved? Yes, the, the week is one that is being celebrated for a, a, one of a better description around the Asia-Pacific area in particular. We're part of um, a grouping of regulators who deal with um, the regulation of personal information across a number of countries in the Asia-Pacific area. So we're celebrating Privacy Awareness Week with our colleagues in New Zealand, in Korea, in Hong Kong, in Singapore, um, Canada, the United States, Mexico, just to name a few of the countries. So it's, it's an, an international event, or certainly an Asia-Pacific event, where we get together to recognise specific issues relating to privacy and focus on particular areas that are coming up in our own jurisdictions, but also ones that are common across the um, region um, internationally. So there's a lot of diversity in cultures and jurisdictions and, and countries in just those few that you listed. How does a shared week like this provide opportunities to explore those similarities but also perhaps highlight some differences across these jurisdictions? Well, as you say, there are many similarities and one of the starting points is that our laws are based on very similar um, principles. A lot of our laws across the region are based on the OECD guidelines on the handling of cross-border flows of personal information and those go right back to the originally being developed in the 1980s. So there are some commonalities within our laws which allows us to do a lot of work together. But there are, as you'd imagine, and, and you suggest, some interesting cultural differences. 
I know some of our colleagues from countries where um, Chinese is the, is the main language have an interesting challenge because there hasn't actually been a word for privacy in um, the Chinese language and in a number of Asian languages. So it's interesting to work with our colleagues in those countries to see how they translate some of the issues we deal with into their own um, cultures. And it is a really particularly strong issue um, in a number of the Asian countries we work with. In Korea, there are several agencies like ours who deal with the protection of personal information, and they uh, receive tens of thousands of complaints a year from their community, huge numbers, which show that um, in those countries as well, the community has an increasing concern about what's happening to their personal information. And the basis of that is our shared understanding that the online world, the online environment, is providing an avenue for people to reap many benefits from new technologies, but at the same time it's also collecting a vast amount more information about us all, mm. and this is increasing the community's concern both in Australia and in other countries about where that information is hand ending up and who's getting to see it. Mm. Fascinating. Fascinating in particular the, that uh, the, the concepts or the issues relating to privacy are very real across these different cultures, but the language isn't necessarily um, the same. I, I find that quite a fascinating uh, idea. So what are your key messages for Privacy Awareness Week this year in 2014? Well, for Privacy Awareness Week this year, we in Australia are particularly focusing on the recent law reform changes that occurred in March. They're going to be a big focus for us. So on the 12th of March, many people would know that some of the most significant changes for t over 20 years occurred to the Privacy Act, uh, making some significant changes in a number of areas. So we'll be looking at building on the release or the commencement of those changes as part of our um, efforts to promote and further the privacy message in Australia. More regionally, that is across the Asia-Pacific area, we're all looking at the issue of the, what we're calling the mobilisation of privacy. That is, the recognition that many of us and the vast majority of the, our communities are now dealing and transferring information around using mobile devices such as mobile telephones or um, iPads and the like. And we're putting vast amounts of information onto those devices or through those devices using apps. So we're looking at how much information is being collected um, through apps and what is it that we can advise people about what they need to know to protect their information as they're wanting to take up the use of um, new technologies such as applications. Now I understand that as part of that uh, looking more closely at the, the mobile scene and, and apps in particular that one of the areas you're going to be looking at is, is uh, focusing on, a, on a, a group of apps and uh, having a bit of a look at how they perform and how they deal with uh, issues relating to privacy. Uh, that's right. We're going to be participating in a sweep across the region with about, I think it's somewhere in the vicinity of 20 other um, privacy regulators around the region. We're going to do a sweep and in Australia we'll be looking at around the top 50 used applications here or apps, apps that are used here to have a look at um, what are their privacy policies, how much information they give to people who may want to use them about what's going to happen to their personal information. Many people, I think, um, aren't quite sure about what information they're giving away when they're using an application, although our 
survey we undertook of the community last year showed that close to 50% of people in Australia do realise that if they do um, download an app and use it that it will um, undoubtedly collect some personal information. But I think people are unsure about what their options are in terms of how they can control that. And we think that people need to be aware that a very important starting point with that is to read the terms and conditions or the privacy policy before you download an application so that you know exactly what's going to happen to your personal information and make a good decision about whether you want to go ahead and use it. Mm. So it sounds like the week is a really great opportunity to focus people's attention on, on things that perhaps mightn't be top of mind in, in their day-to-day -day work and in their day-to-day -day life. So in the context of that, let's turn back to uh, attitudes towards privacy. You've touched on a few of those themes already. Um, Timothy, the, you mentioned that the Commission recently completed quite a comprehensive research project about community attitudes to privacy. What were some of the key insights you gained from this survey? Well, if I can start by focusing on that issue of privacy policies. We all see and, and we hear not just through our research but also more internationally that people are finding it difficult to read privacy policies that are put out by government agencies and organisations. They're often far too long and they're often far too complex and written in legalese and people can't understand them. Yet what we found in our survey is that while people are saying that, 95% of people who responded believe that they should be told about what's going to happen to their personal information by an organisation or a government agency before they enter into um, some sort of um, relationship with them. And that's interesting that on the one hand we're hearing that people don't want to read these policies, yet they expect to be told. And what we're trying to do is work with organisations that are covered by the Privacy Act and help them to come up with much more usable privacy policies. During Privacy Awareness Week, we're going to be launching a new guide on how to write and draft a privacy policy to make it more usable for the consumer or the customer so that they can understand what's going on. And that will also be important for organisations and government agencies because of their new obligations to have very transparent policies under the changes to the Privacy Act that came in in March. Timothy, can we pick up on, on uh, the point that you made there about the what seems to me to be almost an inherent contradiction between people not reading privacy policies for various reasons and then making behaviour-based decisions uh, based on, on uh, a perspective about privacy that they mightn't have. I was really interested to see another statistic that came out from your, your research saying that even though people don't read privacy policies, 60% of people choose not to deal with an organisation because they're concerned about their privacy. And I can imagine that that would be of, of concern to organisations who are perhaps losing customers or clients based on, on uh, not having uh, that dialogue around policy in some respects. What are some of the ways that you think organisations, businesses, government organisations um, can actually help to overcome this contradiction? Well, it is a very important statistic you mentioned there, the 60% plus of people who have decided not to deal with an organisation or a government agency because of the way in which they're handling personal information. And it comes down to trust. Um, and that trust um, equation applies to both private sector organisations and government organisations. In the government sphere, it can end up being the success of a particular government policy or not 
if the people who are supposed to use it don't trust the policy or the or the program because of the way their personal information is going to be handled. Mm. So there are some significant risks there if trust isn't engendered by both private sector and government agencies in terms of personal information handling practices. And I think when we're looking at um, government agencies in particular, while we do see that people are uncomfortable about handling over the, handing over their personal information, in terms of government agencies, they are often um, required to provide that information and don't have a lot of choice. So on the one hand, a person may be uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, if they, are, they need to hand over personal information to get a particular service or a benefit, they often don't have a lot of choice in how they go about doing that. And for that reason, I believe it's incumbent upon government agencies in particular to have the high standards of personal information handling practices to ensure that the personal information in which they're entrusted by the community is held to a high standard of protection from misuse um, and particularly from loss these days with the increasing threat of hacking. Hmm. One of the other interesting things I'd, I'd like to touch on is, uh, I guess from your point of view at the Commission, um, given that you are also an organisation where people can uh, make complaints or inquiries about privacy-related issues, um, and I understand that uh, based on some of your research that those complaints and inquiries are, are on the rise, uh, putting, putting paid to the idea that privacy is dead, as you mentioned earlier on. But I'm interested in whether you're seeing uh, any changes in or trends about the kinds of things that people are concerned about um, that, that uh, might point to, to um, future Privacy Awareness Week themes or some, some work that all of us can do to, uh, to improve the situation. One of the key areas that I've touched on, I suppose, is around the issue of the privacy policy. And that privacy policy is, is important in another respect, not just from transparency, but what it does is it allows organisations and government agencies to build up that expectation and that relationship with the individual about what will happen to their personal information. As you say, there are increasing number of complaints coming to our office, and just to give you an idea of that, in the last financial year, we had a total of 1,496 complaints. This year to date, still two months out to the end, we've almost hit the 3,000 mark. We've seen a doubling of our complaints this year in comparison to last year. And I know this is being experienced in other jurisdictions as well, which does, as you say, reinforce the message that rather than privacy being dead, people are going out there and looking for ways to enforce their rights under um, various privacy laws. But coming back to the point on the privacy policies and setting those expectations, one of the areas we're seeing where people are complaining is that their expectations aren't being met. That is that they do enter into an arrangement or a, a service delivery with an organisation or a department and they find that their information has been used in a way that they didn't expect. And that leads to um, a situation whereby we'll often get a complaint. So it's important that as part of the privacy policy that's required to be done now under the new Australian Privacy Principle 1 and under the notice provisions, that is when you're collecting the information on the spot from an individual, there's a notice requirement under APP5 that you're clearly building up that expectation about what's going to happen to someone's personal information and that can lead to lesser disputes, I would suggest, um, down the path. So we're going to be, over the next 12 months at least, leading up from this Privacy Awareness Week to next Privacy Awareness Week next year, looking at how we can work with organisations and agencies to better um, 
advise people about what's going to happen to their personal information so that they can build up those expectations and also that trust that's so vital in the relationship with their customers or clients. Mm. So, Timothy, a final question for you. I'm going to ask you for your top privacy tips for consumers, for business and for government. Okay, that's, that's a big one because there's so much to deal with in this area. But <laughs> I would say that the first tip is, again, to be open and transparent, um, which is the point I've, I've been dealing with in a couple of, of my responses. That is, organisations need to be open and transparent about what they're going to do with personal information and build up that trust equation. And I think they'll go a long way to having good relationships with their customers there. For consumers, again, they should be looking at privacy policies looking at them and understanding what's going to happen with their personal information. At the end of the day, particularly when dealing with private sector organisations, as we've seen, the consumer has a lot of power. If they don't want to deal with an organisation because of how they're handling their personal information, then often they can walk away and get the service from somewhere else. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot more organisations using that as a real differentiator in the marketplace. So for the consumer, use that power, look at the privacy policies and make a decision whether you want to deal with an organisation or not. And one of the other tips coming back to using apps, same sort of thing. Make sure you look at the policies or the um, arrangements or the contracts you have with the organisation that you're going to download the app from and make sure you're comfortable with what's happening with um, that personal information. And also make sure that if you're finished with an app, you delete it because often um, applications can sit there on your mobile device and continue to collect information about you, such as where you're going and where you've been through location um, devices. So it's important to keep track of what we're downloading and doing away with those um, applications we don't want anymore. Fantastic. So some great tips there that we can all benefit from. And uh, I'd certainly encourage uh, listeners to check out Privacy Awareness Week. There's a lot of information and resources available. Um, you'll find lots of links and more on our website after this interview at gov2oradio.com. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you today, Timothy. Thank you again for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to your company again next time. Bye for now. 